Well, good evening and welcome to the service of worship on this cold and windy Christmas Eve. We're so glad you're able to join us here this evening. I especially want to welcome those who are staying safe and warm at home watching on Facebook Live. We're grateful that we can be together in person and online as we worship our Savior this evening. I invite you to pray with me now as we, be, as we continue our time of worship. Father God, we are so grateful for the chance to worship you this evening. We thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who was born for us, was sent here for us so that we may know and love and serve you with all of our hearts. We thank you for our Savior, our Messiah, and our Lord, who was born this day. And we praise you in all things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. For the lighting of our Advent and Christ candles, I want to invite forward Kayla and Lena Upperman. Good evening. 
On this Christmas Eve, we are gathered here as God's people to celebrate again what Christ's coming means to the world. We join with Christians all over the world who are celebrating tonight. Tonight, we relight the four Advent candles and recall what the good news means. Hope. Peace. Joy. And love. Jesus Christ is the greatest gift. He makes all these other gifts possible. So we light the Christ candle now as we think about the Christ coming means to each one of us. Let's pray. We thank you, God, for your gift of Jesus Christ to the entire world. We thank you that Christ's coming makes hope, peace, joy, and love possible for every person in every nation. We encourage, encourage us to do our part to bring goodwill and peace to our families, our churches, our community, and the world. Now let your spirit put us in touch with you, the living God, through the words and music you, we hear tonight. In the name of Jesus Christ we pray, amen. first scripture reading this evening is taken from Luke 2, verses 1 through 14. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, the Bethlehem to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, 
a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Those who are able, will you please rise and we sing the marked verses from hymns number 131, 132, and 133. The marked verses only.
Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I want to invite everyone to come forward, for, the children to come forward for children's chat with Mrs. Lammers. report. Oh, I see the doggy. Yeah. Merry Christmas. I want you all to come around so you can see the book pictures. Okay. You're going to have to come over here. Oh, it's so good to see all of you. This is called Listen to the Silent Night. See the owl? Look at the owl. It says, it was not such a silent night. Hear the As the night owl flew, crossing, cross the windy trail where the cold wind blew, Mary knew her time must be coming due for the sun who would set things right. See, Mary and Joseph, where are they going? Guess I should have used my outside voice. <clears throat> there. Who's on that photo picture? Huh? Mary and Joseph? Who's on the horses? Soldiers, Roman soldiers. It was not such a silent night. Hear the flip, flap, flop of Joseph's sandals, the sound they make. Roman soldiers passed, and their horses, (coughs) Mary rolled and bounced while the donkey swayed as she rode toward the Bethlehem light. What are they going to do in Bethlehem? They're going to have baby Jesus, aren't they? Look how crowded it is. All those people are there because Rome said they wanted to take a census. They wanted to know how many people were there. So what are they doing? They're pushing each other around. It was not such a silent night. Here's the oomph, oomph, oomph of the shoving going on. Down in Bethlehem, where the faithful came, as the growing crowds tried to stake their claim at the ends on that festival night. Uh Uh-oh. What do you think Joseph is doing? Where's he knocking for? Was there any room in the inn? No. It says it was not such a silent night. Hear the rap-tap-tap on the inn's big door. Joseph begged for room, but there were no more. Then they found a barn, just a hay-tossed floor, where they prayed and prepared for the night. No room for him in the inn. Who's in the inn? Um, Who's in the manger? Manger. Manger. Animals, right. It was not such a silent night. Hear the moo, moo, moo of a cow or two. And the rooster crowed. And uh, Mary settled in by this noisy crew, keeping watch for the dawning of light. Something exciting is going to happen, isn't it? Who we have here coming across the sand. Wise men, yes. The wise men. It was not such a silent night. Hear the swish, swish, swish of the desert sand as the camels raced toward the far-off land. And the wise men rode with their gifts in hand towards the star that was brighter than bright. See it? Beautiful, beautiful star. Hmm? Yeah. Oh, my pages don't want to turn. Sorry about that. Oh, looky here. Who's sleeping? No. That looks like a shepherd to me. It was not such a silent night. Hear the ba 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 the sheep who crept and slept. Up on a hill so steep where a moonlight beam swept and the snoring sounds as the shepherds slept under the skies that were very starry and bright. 
And who wakes them up? The angels wake them up. It was not such a silent night. Hear the flut, flut, flutter of angel wings. Hear the wondrous message the angel brings. While a host of angels from heaven sings, Christ the King has been born this night. And that's what we're celebrating, isn't it? And the shepherds ran to do what? What did the shepherds run to do? Find baby Jesus. That's right. It was not such a silent night. Hear the swoosh, swoosh, swoosh as the staffs wave free. The shepherds cried, we must go and see. The Messiah is here, born for you and me. So they raced towards the glorious light. Oh, who do we have? Girls, who do we have? Baby Jesus. It was not such a silent night. Mary was there, Joseph by her side. Then a shout rang out, Baby Jesus cried. So they held him close, filled with pride and joy. A miraculous Christmas night. So when you go to bed tonight, remember those in your prayers. Okay, let's say a real quick prayer, okay? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for giving us your Son for our Savior. And, and we pray that in our hearts we can find a silence in the middle of all the noise and with the bustling of our Christmas and the clattering of toys. Help us slip into the silence filled with hallelujah joys on not such a silent night. Please let us come to the cradle. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I think they want to help me read. Next scripture reading this evening comes from Luke chapter 2, verses 15 through 20. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what has been told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Our offering tonight is going to go to Tanner's Romanian Mission for Children. Uh, this is an organization that we have sponsored for many years and collect an offering for um, on Christmas Eve night. And so if you feel led to give this evening, I encourage you to do so. Any gifts given through the offering plate this evening, uh, not designated for other purposes, will go towards supporting their mission in Romania. So invite the, I want to invite the deacons to come forward. And our special music tonight is O Holy Night by well, Adam and Aaron Robaugh.
Christ was born. Night divine, oh night, oh night divine. Truly he taught us to love one another. His law is love. And his gospel is peace. Chains shall we break, for the slave is our brother. And in his name, all oppression shall cease. Sweet hymns of joy, in grateful chorus raise we. Let all within us praise his holy name fall on your knees oh hear the angel voices oh night divine oh night when Christ was born night was born, oh night divine, oh night, oh night Amen. I invite you to pray with me. Father God, we are so grateful to be able to gather here this evening, to be able to worship you together with one voice and one heart as we lift up our praises to you. We thank you for this offering that we just collected, and we ask that you would bless it now as, a, as we are able to, uh, to be a blessing to others, Lord, through this gift. And so we praise you and thank you for that opportunity and ask that you would bless the Tanner's Romanian mission, not just financially through this offering, Lord, but we ask that you equip Bruce and all the others, Lord, who serve there and just ask that you would, um, that you would bless them in, in the work that they do. Lord God, we also ask for you to be with uh, the many families represented here in this church, in this community, in the surrounding communities, Lord, as, as they gather to celebrate Christmas. Um, just pray that you would bless them. And we also are especially mindful of those families who are maybe struggling this time of year, Lord, missing loved ones or... or um, facing illness or facing uncertainty, Lord, uh, just or just difficulty in general. We acknowledge, Lord, that every Christmas may not be as joyful or as bright, Lord, as, as we would like it to be. And so we ask that even in the difficulties, even in our trials, that you would be honored and glorified and that you would work in and through us, Lord, uh, to bring comfort and peace to your people. Lord, the news that we celebrate tonight is good news that will cause great joy for all people because our Savior has been born. And Lord, that is good news for every person, the one that is going through good times, the one that's going through hard times, the one that has a lot and the one that has nothing. Lord, it is good news for all people because we all need you, our Savior. And so we praise you and thank you for the gift of your Son. And we praise you and thank you for his life, his death, and his resurrection, and all that it means for us. Lord, we ask also that you would be with us now as we turn our attention to your word. We ask that your Holy Spirit would work in our hearts and minds, and that you would give me words to speak, words that are honoring and pleasing to you. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. 
Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Well, again, I just want to express how grateful that we, I am that we're able to gather here tonight. The last couple days have been rough weather-wise and travel-wise, and we were a little uncertain if we'd be able to gather here tonight. But I'm very grateful that we are able to be here, grateful that you all have chosen to be here, and pray that you make it home safely this evening. And also grateful, again, for Facebook and the opportunity we have to, for, for, to continue to worship with those that weren't able to physically be here we're able to gather through Facebook Live and just grateful that we have this opportunity to gather. Tonight I want to reflect a little bit more on the scripture passages that you heard read this evening, Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 20, verses that are very familiar to us at this time of year, right? We often hear whether sometimes it's Luke 2, sometimes it's Matthew 1 and 2, or sometimes it's some combination of those two chapters. But those verses are so familiar to us during the Christmas season, especially read on Christmas night. And as I was reading through them again to prepare for this evening, I thought, all right, I've, I've preached on these passages several times now, and, and, and just reading through it, I was asking the Lord to help me kind of see it from a different perspective. And one of the things that he helped me to, to see and understand was that we are, that this night that is described in Luke chapter 2, right, is, is no ordinary night. Now, it may seem ordinary from certain perspectives, but there's actually kind of two stories happening. And depending on what perspective you're looking at this story from, you see two different things happening. The story as seen from a human perspective and the story as seen from a heavenly perspective. And that's what I want to take a few moments to reflect on this evening. You see, there's more to life than we can see with our eyes and sense with our five senses. Don't ignore right, what God is often doing behind the scenes in this story, but in your life as well. And so we see here on this night in Bethlehem, it was no ordinary night. From the human perspective, it was a census that was ordered by human authorities that everyone was supposed to go to their hometown to register. And because of that census, Joseph and Mary head to Bethlehem. Joseph being in the house of line of David, Bethlehem was his ancestral hometown, and so he had to go and register there. And many others were heading in that direction as well. We can know that. We know that because when Joseph or Mary arrived, there was no place for them to stay. Now, there was no Motel 6 on the corner or Holiday Inn down the road for them to stay in. Likely, they were going to stay in a guest room at a relative's home, but by the time they got there, all the space had already been taken. And so they went to the next best spot, a stable, and stayed there with the animals. Can you think of just how many people probably saw Mary and Joseph on the road to Bethlehem, and even in Bethlehem that night wandering through the streets? There are probably plenty of people that passed by them and never even gave them a second look because they looked like just two ordinary travelers like the many others who are on the road due to the census. Her son. There's no fanfare, no one seems to even notice, again, at least from a human perspective. And this small child was placed in a manger because, like I said, there was no room available for them within a home. This child who would be king, who is king, was not born in a palace, was not announced by, or announced by heralds, human heralds, or watched over by royal guards. He was born and placed in a manger. Sometime later, when the wise men arrive on the scene, they go straight to the palace in Jerusalem because that's the place people expected to find a king. In a palace, watched over by royal guards, not in a stable, watched over by animals. A simple child born to two young parents, at least from a human perspective. But we know that God was working in the background. And so we also know to look at the story from a heavenly perspective that God was intervening even within human history to orchestrate the events to bring Jesus, I should say to bring Mary and Joseph, and so that Jesus could be born in Bethlehem. God orchestrated the census to make that happen. 
to utilize that census to bring Joseph and Mary to Bethlehem because that is the place prophesied for the Messiah to be born. In Micah chapter 5, verse 2, he says, But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come from me one who is to be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. So God orchestrated the events for Jesus to be born at just the right spot and just the right time. And though no human heralds announced the birth of this king, we know that angels announced the birth of Jesus to shepherds on the night that he is born. Now, shepherds were very unlikely recipients of this good news. They were often looked down upon because they were considered unclean due to the nature of their work. But yet it is to those very shepherds that the angels announce this good news. This good news that will cause great joy for all people. Right? There's reason it's called good news, right? There's reason it's called the gospel. It's because it's for everyone. Right? This good news is for all people because all people need a savior. And that's exactly who the angels say was born that night. He is the savior, the Messiah, the Lord. In other words, he's the fulfillment of all of God's promises and the culmination of God's plan of salvation that he set in motion before time began. As Paul puts it in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4, and it's Ephesians 1, 4, he says, for he chose us, he speaking of God, God chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. You see, before God formed the heavens and the earth as we know it, he knew and understood that a Savior would be necessary. And so he knew that he would have to send his son, Jesus, to live and to die for us before any of it ever happened, before the foundations of the world. So Jesus was born on no ordinary night. And this child, this Jesus, is no ordinary child either. His birth was foretold. As I said, this was God's plan from the beginning of time. His birth was foretold by Old Testament prophets like Isaiah, right? Isaiah 7:14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and you shall call him Emmanuel. That is just one of many Old Testament prophecies about Jesus. But then Jesus' birth was also foretold to Mary and Joseph before he was born, if you're following along in your Bibles, flip back just one page to Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. This is the angel Gabriel visiting Mary. It says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's, Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, don't be afraid, Mary, you've found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you'll call him Jesus. He'll be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give the th him give the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age and she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And the angel left her. Or we have... What the angel told Joseph in Matthew chapter 1, beginning in verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to call to give him the name Jesus, because he will save people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. 
You see, we learn a lot about Jesus, this Messiah from the Old Testament, as well as these descriptions in the New Testament. And so we know this birth was foretold ahead of time. But the birth was also announced by the angels on the night he was born. The angels announced that Jesus is the Savior, the Messiah, the Lord. And these titles correspond to what the angels revealed to Joseph and Mary. In the message we learn his name, Jesus literally means the Lord saves. He will be our Savior, and he is the one who will save people from sin through his death and resurrection. We learn about the origin of this child, that he is from God through the power of the Holy Spirit. He is God's Messiah, the chosen one who will fulfill all of God's promises to his people. And we also learn his purpose, to forgive sins and to rule on forever on David's throne. In other words, he is our Lord. Bethlehem is the location. Right? This, this, is, this is one of the things that I, I noticed kind of for the first time as I was studying this. Right? Bethlehem was the location of another very important king, and that was David. In fact, that's the very reason that Joseph and Mary went to Bethlehem was because it was David's hometown. But if you were to read 1 Samuel 16, you also know that David was not the expected king. Saul had already been anointed king over Israel. And when Samuel is called by God to go to Bethlehem and anoint a new king, it was David's six brothers that were paraded before Samuel because they were the ones expected to be king. It wasn't until David was brought in from the fields because he was the youngest and the smallest and tending the flocks that God revealed that he would be the future king of Israel. You see, in the same way, a child was born in Bethlehem that very night in a very unlikely circumstances, and from a human perspective, was not likely to be king. And yet we know this Jesus was Savior, Messiah, and yes, also is our Lord. And so there was no ordinary child born on no ordinary night. And what it means for us is it requires no ordinary response on our behalf. And we can see what this response should look like, modeled for us by both the shepherds and Mary. And there's four things I want to share with you as we close our time here in the Word. These four things are we, we for ourselves. We need to spread the Word. We need to show God that we love Him. And we need to slow down and focus on Him. So first, we, see, we need to go and see the claims for ourselves. And that's exactly what the shepherds did. When the, when the angels announced everything that had happened, and they go back to heaven, right? The shepherds are left in the field. But what do they do? They go and examine this story. They go to find out for themselves if what the angels said was true. In other words, they examined the good news. They went to see the claims for themselves. And that's exactly what Jesus does, invites us to do as well. That we are invited to see for ourselves the good news. Some of you may be here tonight or maybe watching online and sometimes you wonder if all this stuff is true or wonder if all of this, these claims about Jesus are valid. And the only thing that you can do is go and see for yourself if it's true. Later on in Jesus' life, he had a disciple named Thomas who later became known famously or infamously, however you want to look at it, as Doubting Thomas. Because after his resurrection, after Jesus' resurrection, Thomas refused to believe that it was true unless he saw Jesus with his own eyes and felt Jesus' wounds with his own hands. And when Jesus appeared before Thomas, he didn't scold him. He didn't belittle him. He didn't tell him, Thomas, I can't believe you didn't trust me. No, he invited Thomas to examine his wounds. He invited Thomas to see for himself that the claims were true. Jesus invites you to come and see these claims for yourself, just as the shepherds did, just as Thomas did. Jesus also invites us to spread the word. After the shepherds saw that everything that they had been told was true, they went away and told everybody that they could find. And everybody who heard the shepherds' report were amazed. People need to hear the good news, right? The angel said it's good news for all people. And so we need to make sure that all people have the opportunity to hear it. We need to let the world know a Savior is born. Third, we need to show God 
that we love him. It says in Luke chapter 2 that after the shepherds examined the story for themselves, they went away and told people. It says that they returned praising God and giving him glory. And this word returned again stuck out to me. They, the shepherds went back to the fields. All right, they went back to their normal, ordinary life, but they went back as changed people. They were not the same after they saw Jesus. God invites us to examine right, the facts, examine his claims. And he also invites us to worship Christ as our Savior. And worship is more than just songs that we sing on Sunday mornings or Saturday nights. Worship is a lifestyle. Singing is just one of the way, many ways that we can glorify God. But what God really desires from us is a life given over to him in worship. Holistic worship includes our head, our heart, and our hands. We can use our head to worship God by thinking on and believing what God says is true in his word. We can use our heart to worship God by, by making sure our attitudes and our affections and our desires better reflect Christ in our own lives. And we can certainly worship God with our hands through our actions and the things that we say and the things that we do. Worship Christ, the newborn king, with our head, our hearts, and our hands. As I said, they went back, they returned to their previous life, but they were changed people. The good news should change how we live. See, it's impossible to encounter Christ and go away unchanged. And finally, we need to slow down and focus on him. And this example comes from Mary herself. After the shepherds came and went, it says that Mary treasured these things and pondered them in her heart. And that's such an important phrase in a world today that is just full of distractions and busyness and is just unrelenting. Seldom do we take time to slow down and treasure Christ. Seldom do we take time to slow down and really ponder the things of God in our heart. But that's exactly what Christ invites us to do. That's the example that Mary demonstrated for us on this night. She could have been doing any number of things as a new mother, right? Any number of things that could have taken her time or attention. And not all of those things would have been bad, of course. But she took time to treasure Christ and to ponder these things in her heart. And so I invite you this evening to take time and slow down in a busy and distracting and unrelenting world. We need to sometimes hit the pause button and focus on Jesus. I want to invite you to think of there's a, the word meditate. Now, when I say the word meditate, I don't mean like Eastern religions refer to meditate and just where you just kind of empty yourself and stop thinking, right? That doesn't do us a whole lot of good. But what Scripture means when it says to meditate, like in Psalm 1, the one who meditates on the word day and night, to meditate on God's word, to meditate on Christ is to think deeply about him. Just think about who he is and all that he's done for you. Think about his character and his goodness and his faithfulness. Think about his life and his death and his resurrection and, and what that means. To, to ponder that, to ponder these things in our heart is to just think deeply about God, his word, and its application for your life. And to simply enjoy being in the presence of our Savior. We're going to sing a, a couple more hymns in just a moment. And after we sing those hymns, we're going to, I'm going to take a moment and give some instructions about passing the light around the sanctuary. It's a great tradition as we close the service on Christmas Eve to pass the light of Christ around the sanctuary. And so after we sing these couple songs, I would invite the deacons and the elders to come forward and I'm going to light my candle from the Christ candle. I'm going to light theirs, and we'll pass that around the room. And so we're going to sing a couple songs first, and then after we do that, uh, we will, I'll invite you forward, and then we'll close our service by singing Silent Night. So if you're able to, actually, let me say a prayer as I close up, close up this time. If you, let's pray together. Father God, thank you for this opportunity to slow down and ponder you and reflect on your goodness and your grace. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are our Savior, Messiah, 
and Lord. And we thank you that you came to save us from our sins. Help us always, Lord, to remember what happened on that first Christmas. It was no ordinary night. You are no ordinary child, and you require no ordinary response from your people. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. If you're able to stand and join us in singing, I invite you to sing, O Come All Ye Faithful, um, and the words are in your bulletin. to invite forward our elders and deacons at this time and we're going to pass the light of Christ around the sanctuary. This light represents the, the Jesus 
our Savior, our Lord, and our Messiah. And His light shines in us and through us. As we pass this candle or pass the light around the sanctuary, it's like the light of Christ being passed from one person to another as we share the hope and the love and the joy and the peace that we find in Christ. So I invite you to pass the light of Christ around the sanctuary tonight as we sing Silent Night together. Amen. I invite you to take the light of Christ with you as you go from this place. Christ, our Savior, our Lord, our Messiah is born this night. Amen. You may go in peace.